0: Galatians chapter 6. Let's read through verses 1 through 9. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever for man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time and opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word, encourage us, and strengthen us in our walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I simply titled this, Relationships in the Church Family. Of course, the churches of Galatia, there was churches in that area. So talking, Paul was addressing more than one church. But as we think about it in a local church, um, he's here talking about how they are to care one for another. And of course, he says that ye which are spiritual, and of course, a spiritual man would be one that's described in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. Where it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. You know, as you think about the context of the book of Galatia, uh, the thing that he's addressing is the uh, uh going back to the law the Judaizers that went around teaching you know well yeah you, you got to be saved but you also have to keep the law to be saved or Christ you know profits you nothing well Paul said that you know circumcision profits you nothing we have liberty in Christ we're justified by faith uh, not by the works of the law so there were those who were uh, and and Paul calls them desirous of vainglory they thought. They acted more spiritual than the, than the Gentiles. After all, they were Jews in the flesh. So they did have advantages. And Paul never negated the fact that the Jew had advantages. What's the greatest advantage the Jew had? They had the word of God. To them was given the oracles of God. Romans tells us that. So there was advantages to being a Jew, but, but we all get saved the same way, Jew and Gentile. It's by faith in Christ, without the works of the law, and so he tells them that ye which are spiritual, uh, you have to have a spiritual frame of mind to to be able to help uh, other brethren, to be able to help any brother in order to teach in First Corinthians chapter two, Paul talks about this spiritual frame of mind in First Corinthians two in verses thirteen through fifteen. "...which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned, or spiritually investigated out, or searched out. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man." So a spiritual man judges or examines everything... By the word of God. Now of course in our modern time people say if if you're like that you're judgmental. And you know, the one of the things that used to hear was, you know, judge not, judge not, judge not. Well that's not the Bible doesn't say you're not supposed to judge. You're not supposed to be hypocritical in your judgment, but you do need to judge. Only a fool doesn't judge. It's a foolish man that doesn't judge, it doesn't examine things. Um, so we are to judge. That's a spiritual person. Uh, in Romans 15, verses uh, one I think it's one through four, one through three. Uh, just talking about a spiritual man, yeah. Romans fifteen, he says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as is written, the reproaches of them that approach the." fell on me. So he's talking here about this, he refers to him as strong there or, and that's the same idea is spiritual. So a spiritual person is not controlled by the actions of others. You know, a lot of people do things because of what somebody else did to them. You know, that's, that's the way the world works. Uh, you know, they, they do things whether it's right or wrong because of the actions of others. You know, this This is the, pol- the political game. I saw the other day that there's some famous actor who's sending money to Planned Parenthood in Mike Pence's name. Vice President Mike Pence's name. So every month, he gets a receipt for so much money donated to Planned Parenthood because this lady sends it in and puts it in his name. Yeah, you know, smear, smear. Oh, weird stuff. Anyway, uh, but what's she doing? What is she doing? She's controlling her actions because of what Vice President Pence does. Uh, so when a spiritual person is not controlled by the actions of others, nor their emotions, or nor their experiences, they're not experience driven. In fact, Paul tells us 1 Corinthians 3, 13 11, that a person like that is childish. You know, he talks about Tongues and all these things, the gifts. And then he said, But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And of course, they're talking about experiential things. So, so that we're talking here about spiritual people. And he says, Brethren, if a, if a man be overtaken in a fault, and the word fault is an error or a defect or a trespass or an offense, and there were those evidently in the churches of Galatia that were overtaken by this false teaching. That was being promoted. And of course these t- teachers are taken over. So he said if, if a brother, brother be overtaken a fault. ye which are spiritual restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness considering thyself. Lest thou also be tempted. So we see here that the spiritual are supposed to challenge others. To restoration or growth. Um, James 5.16 talks about this. Uh, James 5. In verse uh, 16. says also, confess your faults one to another. That's the word fault there. And then verse uh, uh, 19 says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So so we are to to restore or to encourage one another in spiritual growth or restoration when needed. When somebody encourages you to do what's right when you're not doing what's right, you need to take it to heart. Need to receive it with thanksgiving. There's an interesting verse over in Psalm 141, verse 5. Psalm 141, verse 5. Now, you know, the natural thing is for we human beings. Probably particularly we men. We don't like to be corrected. But Psalm 141 verse 5 says this. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil. Which shall not break my head. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. So he says let the righteous smite me. You know, and I believe this is a psalm that David wrote, and uh, David, David was was uh, corrected. You think of think of when Nathan the prophet came to David and told him this parable. You know about this poor man had this sheep that he grew up in his bosom, and then this rich man had a comp- uh, had company come and he didn't want to take from his flock, so he took the poor man's lamb and sacrifice and offered it and you know and and gave it to his guests for dinner and and David said he'll restore fold fold and Nathan said you're the guy you're the man uh you and David said David's response was I have sinned I have sinned so we need to be thankful when somebody encourages us or challenges us to do right. To do right. So, the, this, this, we need to uh, challenge one another to, to grow. Secondly, spiritual people bear one another's burdens. Notice in verse 2, Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. A burden is something that's difficult or troublesome. And we are to bear one another's burdens or to share in in the burdens of one another. You know, I think of Abraham. You know, Abraham left Lot choose the land he wanted. And, of course, Lot chose the best and gave Abraham the rest. But despite that, when Lot was taken captive by those kings... Abraham shared in his burden and armed his trained servants, 318 men, and went after him by night and brought Lot back and the kings that were with him. So he, he shared in his burden. Uh, we need to share uh, one another's burdens. Uh, he wasn't enriched by it or anything, but he shared in the burden. Acts twenty thirty five says, It's more blessed to give than to see. In Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, he told them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get a little impatient with people. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes have the attitude, well, they made the choices. Well, you know, that isn't the best attitude always to have. And we need to we need to help people whenever we can. But but uh, and and try and bear one of those burdens, especially those in the church. Uh, Paul talked about the care of all the churches and those that worked with him in bearing the burden of the church. You know, so, and and as we consider you know the work of the ministry, we all need to bear our part kind of reminds me of a illustration I saw, and I think this is the, uh, um, it's not the Daily Bread. Anyway, it's a, it's a uh, uh, devotional, little devotional booklet. The, the, the article is titled, Who Lost the Game? And uh, it says that the, a baseball team played a base, game of baseball, and just as the umpire was saying batter up, the catcher for the home team arrived and took his place. The center fielder didn't arrive until the end of the first inning, and the second baseman didn't arrive until the second inning. The first baseman didn't show up at all, but later sent his regrets and said that he had to go to a chicken dinner at Aunt Mary's. The third baseman likewise failed to come to the game, having been late the night before and wanted to spend the day in bed. The left fielder felt the need to visit another ball game across town. The shortstop was present but left his glove at home. Two of the substitute fielders were on, away on a little weekend trip and couldn't make it, but they were there in spirit. Barely, when the pitcher went into the box, he looked around for his teammates, and lo, his heart was heavy, for their places were empty. They announced the game, and the visitors were in the stands. The pitcher tightened his belt, stepped into the box, and did his best to put the ball over the plate. He was not his best, for he had to serve as pitcher, first baseman, third baseman. Loud boos came from the stands while the home team was beaten beaten badly. When the absent members of the defeated team heard that their team had lost, they decided to get a new pitcher. But who lost the game? Isn't that kind of the way it is? You know, I, there's another one here. I, I found this the other day. The excuses, you know, people make all kinds of excuses why they shouldn't go to church or why they can't go to church or why they don't want to go to church. So one writer says, let's apply this to other things. For example, ten reasons not to wash. I was forced to as a child. People who make soap are only after your money. I wash on special occasions like Christmas and Easter. People who wash are hypocrites. They think they're cleaner than everyone else. There are so many different kinds of soap, I can't decide which one is best. I used to wash. It got boring, so I stopped. Uh, None of my friends wash. The bathroom is never warm enough in the winter or cool enough in the summer. I'll start washing when I get older and dirtier. <laughs> I can't spare the time, you know. Uh, you know, if we apply all the reasons why people can't to other areas of life, we would see how ludicrous sometimes our excuses are. You know, Moses, Moses had those who helped bear the burden. He had the 70 elders. When he was fighting the battle with Amalek. And God told him to hold up, hold up his rod. He had Aaron and Her, who stood under his arm, to help hold up the rod. So we need to bear one another's burdens. Spiritual people bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Second, or thirdly, a, a spiritual man thinks nothing of himself. Notice verse three: For man think himself to be something when he is nothing; he deceiveth himself. <coughs> Excuse me. He deceiveth himself. So, a spiritual man thinks nothing of himself. Now, think about what we would consider the greatest men in the scriptures. Job said, I am a worm and no man. John the Baptist said, He must increase, I must decrease. Isaiah said, Woe is me. Paul said, I am the least of the apostles, I am the chief. Of sinners. And when he is writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, in verses 1 through 4, he says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one nine. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now it's interesting that Paul said this, and then in chapter four he says, "Okay, Eudius and Sintici, or Suntuchi no, Sinticky, you know, be of the same mind." In other words, they were having a problem with strife and vainglory and they thought evidently they had a high opinion of it, of themselves. You know, only by pride cometh contention. Proverbs thirteen ten says, so. But a spiritual person thinks nothing of themselves. They're willing to sacrifice themselves. Their own wants, their desires. The Lord Jesus Christ comes first in their life. Again, Abraham gave Lot the choice of the land. He was not self-seeking. Lot was a self-seeking one. I don't think anybody wants to be like Lot. You know we, we, of course, this is a big problem in our, in our generation. Everybody wants something for nothing. They don't want to work for it. But a spiritual person thinks nothing of himself. Fourthly, he rejoices in what the Lord is doing through him. Verse four says, "But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another." You know it's wonderful It's wonderful re- to rejoice in what other people are doing that's wonderful but we need to prove and we need to examine our own ourselves of our own work for the lord uh God wants to do wants to glorify himself through each of us and we each have uh uh you know different responsibilities in the church we have you know different uh places in the church we have different people we have opportunity to minister to um uh, but each of us ought to be doing what we can, uh, trying to, you know, like I said uh, a year or so ago, we need to each be trying to reach our own world for the Lord Jesus Christ and glorify Him in it each day of our life, you know, by witnessing to others and be example and testimony uh, uh, of what a Christian should be before the lost and dying world. So, so you know, a, a spiritual man resort. Uh, uh rejoices in what God is doing through him. Uh a fifth thing here we we see, he realizes also he must answer for himself. Notice verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now we can we can help bear one another's burdens, but but when judgment day comet comes, we're gonna have to answer for ourselves. We've got to answer for ourselves. Romans 1412 says So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Speaking about the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation. Of course the foundation is in Jesus Christ. Verse 11. But if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. We notice how many times it says every man, every man, every man. Now, the word man here is generic for mankind. Uh, but, so, every person is going to receive reward or loss of reward for what they have done in this life for the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And the idea is they're good, spiritual, or worthless. And so, you know, a spiritual person lives in light of the fact that I have to give an account to God for this. Now, notice I said for this. What I'm doing right now. Every day. Every minute of my life. You know, we would think about that in everything that we do, it would probably change our perspective on a lot of things. You know, a lot of people just spend money because they think it's theirs. What is money to a Christian? It's something that God has given to us that we're to be stewards of. So does that mean I can just blow it? No, I'm afraid we're going to give an account for that. Well, you say, I did give my tithe. doesn't matter. It's all the Lord's. And the Lord gave it to us to use for his glory. And I'm not saying you need to give all of it to the Lord, to the Lord's work. But it is all his. We are stewards of it. God wants us to be, like Joseph, good managers of, or stewards of the things that he has given to us. Whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whatever it is. What about our time. You know, we good stewards of our time. You know, we, again, we're going to give an account. And the words that we say. Matthew tells us that every idle word that men shall speak, they'll give account thereof in the day of judgment. So, you know, a spiritual person, a spiritual man, spiritual woman, people spiritual young person, lives in light of the fact that I've got to give an account for what I'm doing right now throughout life. Throughout life. My, my life's not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I'm to glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which are God's. By the way, you'll never regret it if you do. So but, so a spiritual person, again, we're talking about a person who walks in the spirit. He's conscious of the spirit of God every minute of every day of, the, of his life. You know, too many times I'm afraid that we live like, you know, certain times, things we won't do. We kind of say, we, we kind of have the impression that like, well, the Spirit of God, you need to stay over here a while. Do I go do this? or I go do that? What I want to do? You no, know, he never leaves us, nor forsakes us. So he's with us 24-7. And he wants us to glorify him in, uh, 24-7. So he realizes he must answer for himself. Number six, takes the things of God seriously, and these are really related, but uh, verse verse, uh, uh, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. This is a natural law that most people don't think about. I didn't give much thought. I'll be honest with you. I didn't give much thought to it when I was young. But I give much more thought to it now. You know, I was reading an article the other day about these two old men sitting on rocking chairs. One was all crippled up with arthritis and all kinds of problems. The other one, he was kind of vibrant and had his right mind and everything. And they asked him, what, what's, what's your secret? He said, I'm living off the interest of a well-invested youth. You see, you reap what you sow. If you plant tomatoes, you're going to reap tomatoes. If you plant potatoes, you're going to reap potatoes. I mean, you reap what you sow. And the more you sow, the more you reap. It's a natural law. It's something that we can't get away from. And a spiritual person takes life seriously that... Again, I'm going to reap what I sow. He, he takes the law of God seriously. The wages of sin is death. I don't know if you realize, but that was written to Christians, not unsaved people. Romans was written to the churches in Rome. See, Samson's. Sin cost him his life. Think about it. Samson had a special, uh, special place in the plan of God. He had a special privilege. He was a Nazarite from birth. Uh, he had he was he was uh, under a vow not to not to touch any dead thing, not to come near. Uh, uh, wine or or grape juice or anything like that, anything of the vine. And yet, Samson did not take his vow nor his place in the plan of God seriously. And after the, after, uh, yeah, her, her name just went out the window, Delilah cut off, had his hair cut off, and he went out and shook, it says he shook himself, and he thought that he would just shake himself. And his strength would come like at our times. But he wist not. In other words, he couldn't believe it. That his power was gone. You see, his power was gone because he didn't take his vow seriously. He didn't take his relationship with the Lord seriously. It's almost like he was seeing how far he could go. Before he got caught. Well he got caught. See he took it for granted. And he lost it. He lost his power. With God. So we we need to take the things of God seriously. We do reap. What we sow. We reap what we sow. And then the last thing. Spiritual man works for a spiritual harvest. Verses 8 and 9. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. but he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now a harvest, now think about this, a harvest takes work. It takes patience and work, and patience and work and patience and work for a harvest. Growing up on the farm, it usually started in the fall. We do fall plowing. Farmers don't do that anymore. Very few do. Some around here I still see work around in the fall. But but, uh, it's not done much. But in the springtime, you know, you'd get the ground ready and you would be busy planting. Uh, working long days planting costs a lot of money to plant many times we'd borrow money in the spring to plant and then in the winter time we'd get our money back after the harvest came in but I remember we'd plant corn and we just didn't wait for harvest we had to cultivate the corn now when I was when I was a kid <laughs> the kids would say yeah here we go again But when I was a kid, we did things the old-fashioned way. We still cultivated corn. And Dad, since there was plenty of us, I guess, I don't know if that's why he did it or not. But anyway, he'd start when the corn was small, and sometimes a little chunk of dirt would knock a piece of corn over and and lay it over. And so he'd have us walk behind the tractor, behind the cultivator, and watch for any stalks of corn that got knocked over, and we would set them back up. And if you missed one, he'd go, he'd point to it. I think he had eyes like a hawk. I don't know how I could watch both rows, because there was one of us at each row, you know. But he'd point to it. And you better stand it up, too. That was, that was a lot. We walked behind that cultivator all day long. You see, there's a lot of work to a harvest. I mean, you can't just buy the birds, put them in the barn, it's okay to just... Run the feeders, and you're going to have lots of money coming in. The birds are all gone, right? No, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work, and that's true in every field. I mean, if you're going to catch coyotes in a trap, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of preparation. Paul said in First Corinthians, chapter three, First Corinthians chapter three, verses six through nine. I have planted, First Corinthians 3, 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth anything, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, husbandry ye are God's building. So so, you know, a spiritual person then works for a spiritual, Spiritual harvest. He puts forth effort. You know that's true. Even in our own Christian life. If we want to be faithful to the Lord. We have to put forth effort. We have to nourish ourselves. Paul told Timothy to give attendance to reading. To exhortation. To doctrine. What was he doing? Nourishing himself. So that thy profiting may appear to all. Appear to all. You know, when you plant, of course you plant, you water, you till. There's other one other thing you have to do that nobody likes to do. You have to pull the weeds. Now, the weeds speaks of things that ought not be in your life. And if you want spiritual growth, if you want a spiritual harvest, you have to pull out things out of your life that are going to hinder you. From being what God wants you to be. You got to pull them out. And get rid of them. Reckon them dead. You know when we go through the cornfield sometimes pulling weeds. We pulled them out. Shook the dirt off of them. And laid them on top of the ground. So that they would die. That was the idea. And we wanted to root out. Because we didn't want it coming back up again. See, we need to pull out of our lives things that are not pleasing to the Lord so that we can have, one day we can look forward to a faithful harvest as we stand before the Lord of the harvest and give an account. And he tells us, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, it took us a, almost a year to get a harvest. And yes sometimes we worried and fretted cuz in the summer sometimes it get a little dry and look like maybe the corn wasn't going to get an ear or wasn't gonna, the wheat wasn't going to uh, 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 come to full maturity or or you might get rain when it's ready to combine and then the stuff might start growing on the stalk and then it was ruined There are all all kinds of things that can happen when you're working for a harvest but God, the lord says here Let's not be weary in well-doing. You know, sometimes we work and we don't see a lot of fruit. But we must not give up. We must continue to work knowing that the Lord will reward us for our labors. So might God help us to be faithful, to seek to be a spiritual person that challenges others, bears one another's burdens, doesn't think of himself thinks nothing of himself, rejoices in what the Lord's doing through him and realizing we must give an account, must answer for ourselves, and works to a spiritual harvest. Might God help us to be that kind of person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time and your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge it gives to us, and I pray you you help us as your people here at Lighthouse Baptist Church to live in a way that pleases and honors you. Might we truly Seek to please you each day, each hour, each minute of each day with all that we do. And we'll be careful to praise you, for we pray in Jesus' name.